Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. American Radio's Daily Defense. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense, because they don't want me to, that's why I do it. Presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. From the Sig Sauer Studios, on the Daniel Defense Platinum Microphone. They're never going to stop us here. Here is your host, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting the enemies of freedom, Mark Walters. Well, actually, he's either in airport or in the sky, or maybe driving home from the airport. I don't know what, you know, Mark is... Today is the end of, well, I think actually tomorrow's the end of SHOT Show, but most everybody that does what Mark does, for example, is they're coming home. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. I'm your guest host, Bill Frady. I appreciate everything that, I, I guess, I, you know, Greg, I appreciate you marshalling me along. It's a, sort of janky to get involved in somebody else's radio show and try to figure out their, their rhythm, and, uh, you know, Greg has been quite gracious with that, and... Uh, Help me with that along the way, and I hope that it hasn't been too painful for those of you that show up here every day waiting on Mr. Walters to uh, say what he says. So thank you very much, Greg. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Now, <clears throat> in the wake on of this, all this, you keep hearing a lot of nonsense about Lake City, the Army Ammunition Plant. They want to stop selling to you. And the reason they want to stop selling to you is because that's about 30% of the market. That's They, they supply 30% of the 5.56 or slash 2.23 ammunition coming into the market today, which would create – it wouldn't be good because we keep having these false ammunition, false flags happen, and then everybody's paying $1,000 for a half a case of 9 millimeter. The Democrats, of course, they want to have the Biden administration disallow and have them disallow the sale of ammunition produced at the facility and on the retail market. And that's okay. With a military contractor, you have to keep them fully staffed all the time, or you begin to lose money, right? And in the case of ammunition, uh, they don't get; they're not shipping ammunition all the time to the military. They have periods where they don't ship ammunition to the military. Uh, They do it a lot, okay, but sometimes in order to keep the staffing at the right level, they have to keep the production line going, and hence you have more ammunition than the military actually orders, and then that gets sold to the uh, civilian market. So you do that in order to keep the facility at full staffing level because that's a national security issue. So them want what they want to do, in addition to everything else they've already done to the military, um, uh, is uh, it would, would, would be bad for national security. And now every Republican AG in the country is firing back at the effort to curtail this, sending a letter to the White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention, whatever that is, and pointing out the errors. Among the list of errors that they point out that their Democrat 
colleagues allege that ammunition manufactured for military use does not belong in communities. They note the ammunition manufactured at Lake City and sold into the commercial market is not the primary rifle cartridge used by the United States military. The primary cartridge is proprietary to the Army and may not be sold commercially. Second, while the United States military purchases and uses a particular type of ammunition, that is not determinative as to whether it is military ammunition that should be panned for public use. I have no idea what the actual... It would come down to certain things like bullet weight and how, what the charge is. It's it's very minuscule as to what would make it. And most of the time, it would be the bullet. It would be the bullet. And in that case, since 5.56 is what it is, you know, I just go for the cheapest stuff I can find. That's all I get. I just buy the 55 grain. I'm, some of these guys out there, well, Bill, you need 75 grain if you really want to do some hurting. If I really want to do some hurting, I've got a 300 blackout. And my 300 blackout is set up for violence, not silence. So, you know, it's, it's, I got that. They also point out that the United States military using ammunition precluded that ammunition's use by civilians. Then other widely and commonly available ammunition, including 9mm and 12-gauge shot shells, would be prohibited for public use. And they added that the Supreme Court precedent does not support such an openly artificial distinction. Now... This is them injecting logic into a very illogical argument or, you know, demand. And that's all fine and good. But see, the Biden administration, all they're doing is uh, they're poisoning what they, you know, as as they're running around, they're poisoning whatever they can poison. They know it's not going to stand up. They're just doing it for the short term. uh, It's to demoralize you. But what they're describing, I mean, Lake City, you cannot mandate that a company lose money and stay open just because the government wants you. So Lake City will probably have a say in this as well. It's not going to stand up, but when they're, when they're trying to say that taxpayers are subsidizing mass shooters, that's shooting blanks. They get causality backwards. The law-abiding target shooters and gun owners who buy Lake City ammunition subsidize the national defense. They subsidize the military readiness. Having said all of that, will these uh, Republicans have anything to say about it that will have any sway on this? Unknown. I kind of think right now uh, Biden has his, uh, his platter is full at the moment because with Texas, well, Texas and the 24 states that support Texas, which means it's 25 states, which means it's half the nation, Probably uh, 25 states with, uh, uh, you know, uh, free free states. Um, I would think he has his attention taken off. But that doesn't mean nothing. That means nothing in that case. But suppose they want to make the Lake City facility and the policy of producing rounds for the civilian market an issue in the 2024 elections. And that means it'll be Second Amendment Foundation and Firearms Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America. and Maybe, who knows, even NRA might get in on this and uh, do some stuff to make this a campaign topic. But we have to keep the status quo in place with that simply because, one, um, the people that are law-abiding people that have AR-15s are not causing any issues. They're not committing any crimes. The, de- the Defense Department 
sought to avoid a situation where the military needs surge due to a real-world conflict and ammunition is not readily available. Although, don't put it past the Democrats to say, well, we should go seize the civilian-owned ammunition. But the problem with ammunition facilities is that this requires production equipment and a skilled workforce and supply chains to remain in constant operation. You can't stop them and fire them back up and expect they're going to go. You can't turn it on like the flip of the switch. It takes time to hire and uh, train very highly skilled people. It takes time to get all of those uh, logistics in place. Prohibiting the sale of Lake City produced ammo on the retail market would have a big impact on lawful gun owners, which is what they are hoping for, but it would also harm national security. And that might be just fine with the gun control lobby and their allies, but anybody else should be alarmed by this push. But right now, the White House, for whatever reason, I saw him making some gun gun control noise the other day, but uh, they haven't weighed in on this one yet. As a matter of fact, when the first time this got put out that this was going to happen, they got out there and said, no, we didn't say that. Now, it's probably just a matter of time before we hear from the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, given the scripted nature of the anti-gunner objection. But, you know, it only makes sense that Act 3 of this political theater is going to come from the Biden administration. And when we finally do hear from the White House, I'm sure the Office of Gun Violence Prevention will be fully in favor of ending the sale of Lake City ammo to civilians. And if they can't ban guns or ammo outright, they can at least make it harder to find and more expensive to purchase and make just make your life just miserable, right? And if we suffer some national security interests along the way, if they're harmed as a result, that's not going to matter much to the gun prohibition lobby anyway, because they hate America. They hate America and they hate Americans. They think that we're the we're the big cause of all the bad things that are on the planet today. We need to get rid of everything that's worth having. That's just the way they see it. And, you know, of course, that I don't know how many billions or trillions of rounds we have already in the civilian uh, ownership. I've got a few over here, you know, that would and see the thing about my ammo is I put a lot of my ammo. I've got 87 loaded magazines for my ARs. Yeah, because loose ammo means nothing if it's not in a magazine. It's got to be in a magazine to be useful. I don't go for that. All that. Oh, you're going to mess up your springs. These are modern magazines that I own. I didn't get these from the uh, fire sale the Army had when they got rid of all their Vietnam-era metal magazines. I got some nice ones. When we get back, we're going to talk about the NRA a little bit. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. Defense firearms are guaranteed for life, trusted worldwide, and designed, engineered, and manufactured right here in America. Daniel Defense, freedom, passion, precision. Armed American Radio Daily Defense. Mr. Walters will be back here with you on Sunday, and he'll be back on Daily Defense Monday, I presume. 
uh, he's probably in root or about to be in root or something. Something to have to do with the root. Right now, a lot of attention is focused on the Manhattan courtroom where Judge Joel Cohen and a six-person jury is going to decide the fate and the future of all the defendants in the New York State state case against the NRA. And, uh, well, apparently, apparently the cult of Wayne is still quite strong within this group, uh, you know. And apparently there's a group of members that are working behind the scenes to try to put a new course forward for the beleaguered organization, whatever the final verdict turns out to be, because they're going to be allowed to continue to exist. That's Tisha James. She wanted to do away with them. They said, no, you can't do that. That's not the way this works. Now, there's been some talk with some of the board members and the latest briefing given by some of the board members by NRA attorneys don't talk about the current trial. Instead, what they're talking about right now is the appeal process and how they see moving forward. And, uh, well, if you're going to admit an appeal is in the works, essentially a tacit admission that they aren't thinking they're going to win, and their defense is tough to win any case where the defendants got out there and admitted to committing offenses only alleged by prosecutors. They, you know, they got under oath and they... They didn't want to perjure themselves, so they said, yeah, we did it. Now, there's two parts of the case. First, there's a, the Attorney General's actions against the individual defendants, Wayne LaPierre, Wilson, Woody Phillips, John Frazier, and Josh Powell. Josh Powell's already pled and, and run away, and he's now looking for a job with uh, the Giffords Foundation or something. And the action against the organization itself for a variety of alleged acts of malfeasance from misuse of member funds to a lack of corporate oversight, which... Knowing what I know from what I, I've, I've known a few of the board members and knowing what I know about uh, the way they say the all of this was ministered over, I'm surprised that they are, are actually saying this is a thing. It's like the board should have risen up and, you know, gotten into a fist fight almost by getting out there. I You know, knowing what I know about the board, they were never allowed to have oversight. But that's all beside the point. Whatever other the outcome, the admission of the misuse, misallocation of funds, the allegations of retaliation against whistleblowers and the other admitted missteps, the entire case has been an embarrassment. It's been an embarrassment for, you know, so I have supported the NRA in the past. Um, I let my membership lapse in 2019 after all that other stuff started happening, but it has been a, uh, it's been a nightmare, and they become quite docile when it comes to stuff. But while corporate executives still profess support for the idea of the NRA, they're not giving them any money. <laughs> purse, the purse remains closed, and neither portion of the case has been decided by a jury. Read it's, it's only conjecture as to the ultimate outcome, and getting out there and. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. There's we, we have an idea, but we don't know. But there isn't a lot of optimism being expressed by court, corporate leaders and many of the disgusted individual NRA membership. Whatever the final verdict and whatever the appeals process being discussed or planned by more by board members who are still loyal to LaPierre, other NRA, NRA, other NRA members, including current and former board members, are trying to work in the background to prepare and execute a strategy 
to execute or to counteract what they see as another convoluted strategy to try to protect the status quo in the NRA's current leadership. They believe that this strategy includes a plan to hold a Zoom call emergency board meeting to appoint current NRA President Charles Cotton as acting executive vice president to fill the position Wayne LaPierre will vacate uh, in uh, you know uh, six days. To the reformers on the board, the whole plan is part of some greater scheme to avoid making any changes on, in the way they operate. They say it won't diminish the outsized influence wielded by the Wayne insiders, and anything that doesn't remove their access to NRA finances is simply setting the stage for future abuse. They will go back to doing what they, you know, if they don't have some sort of real serious consequence to this. Now, should the cult of Wayne loyalists succeed, the dissenters believe it would validate the New York AG's assertion that the NRA's claims of reform fail to stand up under any real scrutiny if you look at it really hard. And that's why they're working on a different solution. They believe that any legitimate reform must begin with a purging and a significant downsizing of the current 76-member board. They believe it has to include the ouster of current senior leadership, and they believe it has to have a strict adherence to the association's operating guidelines going forward. Now, one NRA member said, a special master wouldn't be the solution I'd like. It gives the New York AG a big voice on how the NRA operates going forward. But if that's what it takes to clean the NRA up and get it operating correctly, it's a better solution than letting LaPierre's loyalists get, elect, get away with saying they've changed things because they haven't. There are some people that get out there and they're like, the, the board the board size is just too big. It needs to be no bigger than 24. It doesn't need to be there at all if they're not going to do oversight. I realize that there's a, and I, I've known some people, I've helped a couple of people try to run to be a member of the board of directors and, uh, you know, what, what little part I played in it. And, and the thing is, a lot of them genuinely want to be that. They, I, I guess there's some degree of uh, prestige that goes with it. I don't know how it could be prestigious to be part of an organization that squandered what they've squandered because... You know, just a few years ago, they were the big, big gorilla in the room. Now they're not even in the room. So we're going to see. I, I don't know how this ends up. Uh, I know that if there were the, the fact that Wayne LaPierre has decided to retire due to health reasons, the fact that he decided to stay here through the end of January. I look at on that with sort somewhat of a jaundiced eye. I must I must admit it's it's a jaundiced eye that I'm looking at them with because I just don't believe it. I don't believe that's why he stayed. I don't I, you know, if if it was a real health emergency, I would think that he would get out of there as fast as he can. But that's not what I see. And uh that I agree that I like the idea of a strong NRA. I just don't know if we're going to see that anytime soon. And the other thing is that I don't think there's a vacuum out there right now where they have vacated. I think SAF and GOA and a whole bunch of other organizations have stepped in and filled that really well, and they're taking care of business. So 
Just a thought for you. Just a thought. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. So, right now they're trying to, uh, they, 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 they've got something out there where they want to try to uh, restrict your capability of training in the private paramilitary training avenues, which I guess that would be a school. Now, in the United States, and this is all perfectly legal, I could form my own militia and make myself Colonel Bill and enlist my friends as privates or PFCs and we can run around the woods until we all keel over from heat stroke or heart attacks, whichever comes first, and all of that is perfectly legal, at least for now. We also have a right to criticize our government. We can sit around the campfire at our super secret secret squirrel militia base, nursing our sore muscles and smelling like Ben Gay and the fire ant bites, and talk about how old Joe walks like a penguin and how it would be how you know how it would take Kamala a good twenty minutes just to tell you you're on fire. It's all perfectly legal. It's all protected speech. For now, we have the right to train with our weapons and. There's there's a bunch of different types of training with a handgun, right, long gun. Uh, draw from a holster, shoot while moving, practice CQP, send as much lead downrange as your bank account can allow. That's all uh, perfectly legal for now. But there's a new bill making its way through Congress known as the Preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act of 2024. And they want to make all of that illegal, or at least suspicious enough to draw scrutiny from the feds. Now, I don't really know how that would draw scrutiny, because I don't know how they're going to know what's going to happen. I guess they would have to watch the websites or something. But it would paint a target on the back of every single American gun owner, which is the actual intent of this uh, extremely unconstitutional thought process and to be clear if joe biden never signs this bill into law the second he puts down his crayon the feds will flock to the local gun ranges in numbers they will make it nearly impossible for actual members to find a place to park or at least that's what we think i don't know it, it really it really uh you know when you look like it, at illinois right all the sheriffs there are saying no. When you look at Texas, where they're saying, we defy you, federal government, I think we're beginning to see a sea change of certain things as far as the way some of these things shake out. But let's get back to what we were talking about. The FBI recently investigated law-abiding Americans whose sole transgression was shopping at a Cabela's or a Dick's Sporting Goods. Evidently, the FBI 
the so-called premier law enforcement agency full of all those Ephraim Zimbalist juniors, wasn't aware that Dick stopped selling guns and ammunition eons ago, which I find that hilarious. But the most dangerous thing on their shelves is a pickleball paddle. Now, when they wrote the Second Amendment, militia membership was not one of those things where it was a suggestion. It was a requirement. All able-bodied men were instructed to own a firearm powder and shot and keep them clean because we didn't have a standing army. They needed to be prepared if they were ever needed. We just come from a from war with the biggest superpower on the planet. And all none of those weapons were issued. Well, most of them weren't. So now, under the guise that it would be militia-related, uh, they're trying to criminalize just about everything you do. And this is, you know, their ultimate goal is for all of us to be disarmed. But the this is brought to you by Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat that always wears a do-rag for some, for some reason. He's from Maryland. He's never taken a constitutional law class, apparently. I kind of thought all these guys were lawyers. I could have been wrong. He said in a press release that they introduced the bill to hold individuals liable who directly engage in certain types of conduct, including intimidating state and local officials, interfering with government proceedings, pretending to be law enforcement, and violating people's constitutional rights while armed and acting as part of a private paramilitary organization. I don't know. Maybe like Antifa does whenever they're protecting the uh, the drag the drag queen things in Texas. Is, is that what we're talking about? Couldn't be what we're talking about. Those are the protected class. Of course, um, the one thing they constantly raise the specter of is January the 6th, where we took no guns there. Nobody took guns there. I wasn't there. But uh, they, they said private par- uh, military organization pose a threat not only to national security, but they also present a public safety problem that extends beyond any single state. For example, private paramilitary actors like Proud Boys and Oath Keepers traveled across state lines on January 6th. (laughs) And that's what the militia is now. It's a private military organization. Any group of three or more persons associating under a command structure for the purpose of functioning in public or training to function in public as a combat, combat support, law enforcement, or security services unit. I don't know too many people that train on the small unit level, unless they're a small unit. And most of the ones that train on the small unit level are like a police SWAT team or maybe some law or some uh, military guys that are doing some, or maybe some private military contractors. But I don't know anybody that goes out and goes in and out constantly, except for the airsoft guys, but that, that move around and do all of their training as a unit. So... Um, First things first, I if this actually exists, I'm not aware of it. If there if there are groups of civilians running around training as a small unit, I would love to know about it. Not that it's bad, I think it's great, but um, most of the training I do with long gun and and uh, handgun is individual. And I haven't trained in a few years because of a few physical setbacks. But beyond that, you know, I still train whenever I can. Maybe just not in a big way. 
They're looking at this as, and they, they list the following dangerous conduct. Publicly patrolling, drilling, or engaging in harmful or deadly paramilitary techniques. Interfering with or interrupting government proceedings. Interfering with the exercise of someone else's constitutional rights. Falsely assuming the functions of law enforcement and asserting authority over others. Training to engage in such behavior. Now, here's my first question. Just the other day, just the other day, um, we, we saw Chuck Schumer having lunch with his daughter. And a bunch of the Hamas people got out there and started uh, interrupting him. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was somewhere and they interrupted her. Now, that wasn't necessarily a government proceeding. But the, with the left, if you show, you know, if, if all of these guys have been MAGA hat wearing NRA members or something, they would have said that this was an official, official government function working within the framework of the government, doing things for the government. Then there's a whole deadly paramilitary technique nonsense um shooting and moving um that's not necessarily a paramilitary technique the if you, if you don't know how to shoot and move you had better be really fast and really good and uh, you had better get the first hits because otherwise you're in, in big trouble because you need to be hunting and moving towards cover if you're in any gunfight that lasts more than a half a second but um, I don't know. Well, this this bears watching. The true intent of this, of course, is to uh, to put something in place to where, in the event that you uh, get in some sort of trouble, they'll have a they'll have a law to put you away. Like all the other things they've got, they 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 always want to find a way to put you in jeopardy. So, talk to your local representatives, talk to your local senators, and you know, in, on the federal level. And tell them to get out from behind this one. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. segment of Armed American Radio's Daily Defense is being brought to you by Daniel Defense. Visit DanielDefense.com. Now, back to the show. Armed American Radio's Daily Defense. My last time here for the foreseeable future. Before I go away, just one thing I'd like to tell you. If this show is your cup of tea and you're looking for a compliment to go with it, if you want some more Second Amendment information... Some more pro-gun information. I would heartily, well, I would humbly invite you to check out Lock and Load with Bill Frady. Simply because I do it about three hours a day, five days a week. I put out about 16 hours of content with that per week, including Gun Owners News Hour. I would be honored to have you give it a shot and, you know, give me a little feedback on it and everything else. I'd like to thank Mark Walters for allowing me to be with you for uh, this uh, this week. Uh, like I said earlier with Greg, I mean... Producers are, uh, you got to have a good producer. If you don't have a good producer, well, you're in deep kimchi, friends. So then, let's talk about you out there in the big, ugly world. 
About six years ago, the Effingham County Board in Illinois passed a Second Amendment sanctuary resolution. Shortly after that, Iroquois County followed, and a similar resolution has been around since 2013. The term Second Amendment sanctuary stuck, and counties across the country did the same thing. And I always thought that was a really ingenious thing, simply because the precedent was set by the left with the sanctuary cities where they ignore federal law. So these cities, these local municipalities, even though they have preemption in most cases or something else that doesn't really allow certain things to happen, they were getting out there and they were saying, we are going to stay with the Constitution. Which we still see this left, right, and center happening even today. We see it with Texas right now. We saw it with Illinois when they decided to, uh, you know, well, we got to register our weapons. Yeah, let me get right on that. Now, one thing that we didn't have going on in 2013 that we do now in 2024 is law enforcement has become a very vilified profession to be involved in. Um, and in a lot of cases, you're going to be, well, in every case, let's, let's rephrase that. In every case, you should be your own first responder. But recently, the Borough, Borough Assembly of Matanuska Susitna, Matanuska Susitna in Alaska passed a resolution urging eligible residents to own firearms and ammunition. How tight are the resources for law enforcement there? Imagine having five law enforcement officers to cover a geographic area the size of Arkansas. So you could imagine the response time is probably pretty long. Long delays, if there's a response at all. So they have passed a very powerful, albeit symbolic, resolution. For some people, and, and you know, it's powerful because in this day and age, urging an American to exercise any one of their rights is controversial, especially the right to keep and bear arms. And while the resolution is largely symbolic, its passage should send a message to the bad guys. But it also sends a message to other jurisdictions around the country. And we get this from Alaska Public Media. The Matanuska Sustina uh, Borough Assembly voted this week to encourage all eligible residents to own firearms and ammunition. As residents expressed concerns about crime and low Alaska State Troopers staffing in the area. Members Ron Bernier and Dee McKee co-sponsored the resolution, which passed unopposed during a Tuesday meeting. Some residents expressed concern at the assembly meeting, questioning how the resolution would increase safety. <laughs> Bernier said the resolution is meant to help deter crime throughout the borough with the focus on outlying communities. Now, just imagine if other cities, counties, and states did the same by passing that same resolution urging you to tool up and buy ammo. That would send a message as well. As we go away, I want to know something. How is it that there's so many kids raised on Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, Star Wars, and all the Marvel action figure movies, and they miss a critical point in the story? Because I presume they watch it for the story. The lesson being, if you want to prevail over the evil villains, you have to have the tools and the capability to fight back. We flock to these movies and see it all the time. Even Harry Potter has a you know high-caliber wand with a high-capacity amount of magic in it. Millions of people protect themselves and their families with guns every day in the United States. 
They choose guns as a mean of self-defense for the same reason the Secret Service uses them to protect the president. Guns stop bad people. And you cannot speak about the right of self-defense in theory, but then deny people the tools they need to exercise that right. And without a gun, in most cases, unless you are a grappler, Unless you're a master of Jeet Kune Do, unless you're a master of various other disciplines right now, and you are actually practicing and doing it on a daily basis, you are going to be somewhat defenseless at the hands of a violent criminal. And that whole hand-to-hand fighting, physical strength, and mental resilience to react in a fight-or-flight situation, especially with somebody who attacks us first and is armed with a deadly weapon, that's all something you have to take into consideration when you're making your choices. Does a gun guarantee your safety? No, it guarantees that you're carrying a gun. That's all it guarantees. But it gives you the ability to defend yourself against an armed, physically superior, or mentally unstable attacker. And that might be all three things at one time. So why in the world would anyone not want to have the means to protect themselves and their families against criminal predators and lunatics And worse yet, why would anyone actively lobby their government to deprive themselves and everybody else of the most effective means to protect themselves? The gun grabbers, of course, they think that uh, if you shut down the NRA, they think the NRA is it's it's a you know, it's a it's a generic term now for the gun rights advocacy. Uh, We effectively don't have the NRA now, so I, I don't know why they think that, but. They also thought that you could buy guns at Dick's Sporting Goods, and they've been tracking no gun sales at Dick's Sporting Goods for how long? A gun is a tool. It's like your socket set, your hammers, screwdrivers. You should own a gun for the same reason that you put smoke and carbon monoxide and detectors up and purchase fire extinguishers and buckle your seatbelt. It's another part of that whole ounce of prevention. Smart people are always prepared, and foolish people bring a knife or nothing at all to a gunfight. They say, the gun grabbers do, that there's no evidence that guns save lives, and the truth that there's no proof that guns save lives, then why does every American law enforcement agency, including the Secret Service, carry them? What's the point of them? So I simply say to you, do what the smart money does. That means that when you personally invest, it makes sense to buy and sell the same investments. And if you're going to be buying tools to defend yourself, it makes good sense to buy what people use to defend themselves on a regular basis. Very simple. In the moment when all of this comes to light and you have to actually seriously consider about pulling it or pulling it out right now, well, you're going to thank yourself for making the decision, buying the gun, taking the training, and being prepared. This is Armed American Radio's Daily Defense.
Prescription for Freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. 